Built Unstoppable is a weekly podcast that features a new guest each week who shares their experiences, learnings, and helpful tips for achieving your greatest potential. Welcome to episode number five of the Built Unstoppable podcast. I'm your host, Justin Levy. And today I'm joined by Scott Monty, who's a strategic communications and leadership coach and advisor who helps the C-suite embrace better communication with timeless and timely advice. Thanks Justin, for joining the it's great today, to be Scott. with you as always. So prior to your consultancy, you had the rare opportunity to serve under Alan Mulally during your time at Ford Motor Company. What lessons did you learn Throughout your time, I know you were able to work closely with him and with the senior leadership team. And if you don't mind, if there's an example that stands out in your mind or any learning lessons that you took from him. Well, you know, Alan directly. is such a consummate professional and to me epitomizes what a CEO or really any leader of any level should be. Um, first off, he's someone who makes you feel comfortable when you're around him and makes you feel special. Like you're the only person in the room. And that's a special talent to have someone like that, um, who, who simply pays attention to you, uh, remembers your name, um, you know, is engaged with you and, and clearly wants to, wants to learn about you. Right. You can you can tell he's he's listening to you. He's not just going through the motions and asking you questions until, you know, he, he and, and, and waits for you to stop speaking until uh, he can ask the next question. Uh, he's someone who's genuinely interested. And I think that that friendliness, that curiosity uh, and that warmth that emanate from him are extremely important in leaders, um, because these are, I think, some of the attributes that we should try to get out of the people uh, that, that work with us. He was, he was always referring to, um, what we now call servant leadership. It was about serving first, not leading, but serving, you know, and, and I would tell him occasionally, you know, Oh, what a great job you did with this or with that. And he would always respond with, it's an honor to serve. It's an honor to serve. And to Alan, he truly was serving an American and global icon. He was serving the board. He was serving the customers. He was serving the employees. And he viewed himself as a colleague rather than as a boss. Uh, and he was out front with everyone. And again, just genuine and caring and empathetic. And I think that that was really, in, you know, you and I have been friends since your time there. And that was something you always communicated to me of him while he was there and of how that built your leadership or expanded it, you know, your leadership style even more. And I remember you have talked fondly and often yeah. about the take your child to work day. Uh, and could you yeah, provide that as an example? That's just a wonderful example of Alan paying attention to the small details. And, and again, it, this story that I'm going to tell, it's an, it's an instance of Alan doing something he didn't have to do, something that was a minor gesture, but something that really endeared him to me in particular. So this was 2013. It was Take Your Child to Work Day, and I brought Will and Drew with me. At the time, 
they were, let's see, 10 and 7. And we attended this big um, speech that Alan was giving in, in a big auditorium in the conference center on campus. And he finished his spiel, and then he, he turned to the audience, which was Ford employees and their kids. And he said, okay, I'd like to take some questions from the kids out there. And he went through, and I don't remember how many questions he took, but Will had his hand up there high. And Alan glanced in our direction at one point, but he, he didn't choose Will. Um, and Will was a little disappointed. Um, and there was, a, there was a buffet lunch that was scheduled for after that speech. And I don't know if it was Will's disappointment from not getting chosen or if it was simply some kind of nostalgia for lunches he had had before at the corporate cafeteria. But he and Drew both said, why don't we go back to the to the world headquarters uh, so we can have our hot dogs and tater tots that we <laughs> that we remember from the cafeteria. So I said, all right. So we did that. We had our lunch. We're coming out of the cafeteria and my phone rings and I, I pick it up and it's it's Amy from Alan's office. She's his executive assistant. She said, Scott, where are you? Oh, I'm, I'm just coming out of the cafeteria with my boys, Amy. What's up? She said, uh, come up here right away. Alan wants to see you. I thought, okay, um, this is different. I mean, I, you know, would go up to his office quite frequently. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, uh, C-suite floors in world headquarters were, were on the 11th and 12th floors. Uh, my office was on the 10th floor. So I would just go up the stairwell to, to pop into executives offices as I needed to. And uh, we get up to the 12th floor. We walk down the long hallway and we go into the antechamber where, where Amy sits and she's there at her desk. And then back in his framed in his doorway to his office is Alan. And he's standing there with his hands on his hips with a big smile on his face. And we, we come into the, um, in, into the entrance and Alan kind of waves us back. He goes, boys, come on back. So we go in and, uh, you know, he says hi to them and uh, gets their names and everything. And he starts asking them about their day. What have you seen? What's What's been impressive to you? Uh, what do you know about what your dad does? And then he started asking about, about my wife, Mindy. He goes, oh, what does your mom do? What's her name? And he sat down and he wrote a quick note to her on Ford letterhead and then put a big heart around Ford plus Monty family as Alan typically did, you put a heart around your name and plus Ford and, uh, and said, now you be sure to give this note to your mom and you tell her what a great job she's doing with you guys. And then he had us all come behind his desk. He had me sit in the chair and the boys flanked me and he stood behind us and he had his photographer take a photo of us. And then he motioned to Amy and she brought in these goodie bags filled with Ford tchotchkes for the kids, you know, squishies and pencils and keychains and, you know, hot wheels and things like that. And, and then he sent us on our way. And I thought, what, what a gesture, you know, hear from the, the CEO of a fortune 10 company, one of the major behemoths of uh, the automotive and financial world. And he took the time to make this little gesture to one of his employees and their kids. He didn't have to do that. Yeah. He chose to do it. And it showed how he, paid attention to small things and how he knew that creating that bond of, of a relationship with an employee would create loyalty. Yeah. And I think that that's a great example. And what you said around servant leadership, 
it's become among a lot of terms it's almost an overused term these days right it's like digital transformation and work from home and diversity and inclusion or you know any of these terms that we hear companies or major executives say and then check off the box there's a difference between doing that and being that and i remember even back when all this was happening was when the auto crisis was hap- was you know the automotive companies were going through the auto crisis and i'll never forget you told me go read this book this is the full story of ford while i've been there and that showcases alan's leadership and i read it and i took away so many lessons from that that i've implemented in my career moving forward and that i'll always take with me and they all came back to you and they all came back to how alan walked into ford and changed his time there yeah when you consider that he only spent oh i guess uh eight years there total um you know he took a company that was on the brink of bankruptcy and turned it in the right direction and got people to believe and he did it partly through the power of his personality but he did it by showing people the way by giving them a plan and to alan you know, I talked with him uh, last year briefly, uh, just about Ford's direction and trying to do everything right now, you know, trying to be all things to all people. And I think Ford started to turn the corner a little bit on that. Um, but he said, um, he said, really, it's ultimately about two things, having a plan and communicating the plan. And that's all it is. And see, Alan had this ability to to boil down a complex situation into something very simple. And that's not easy to do. I mean, and, and he would do it in a way that didn't make you feel like he was talking down to you, like you weren't stupid. He did it in a way that made it feel like you were along on the journey with him. And to him, it was, it was about the very fundamentals, you know, it was about focus in that plan, you know, just doing a couple of things really well, having that plan and just communicating to people. And, and he said very clearly that a leader's job, if done well, is at least 50% communication. Yeah, they have to oversee people, they have to manage people, mm-hmm. they have to work on relationships, but ultimately what comes through all of that is communication. And the way you talk with people, not at people, but with people, uh, makes a great deal of of difference in how your plan actually gets executed. Yeah, now, I, along similar lines, I know that, and we can, we'll touch on this in a, in a minute or two, but in your newsletter, you've read, written so much about your how much you value areas such as duty, honor, and re- resilience, just to name a few, that represent the tenets for you of, of true leadership. Now, I agree with your viewpoint on so many of those uh, when it comes to leadership and in slightly different ways also. 
how I've tried approaching my recovery over the last few years from my shoulder surgeries and my brain surgery. But how do you find areas that you've seen throughout your career where those tenets apply? Maybe during your time at Ford, maybe the the lessons you took from Ford or, you know, the things well, you've done since Justin, then. I think it's, it's partly from just observing what I did at Ford. I got, you know, a, a couple of decades worth of, of career education while I was, I was there for six years. Um, but it was during a crisis. It was during the auto crisis, the financial crisis. Uh, we were just on the cusp of discovering uh, digital communications, social media. It was a remarkable time. And you, you cram that all together, and it was like a, like a compression chamber. Or, or uh, for, for um, people akin to this, it was like an Instapot uh, versus a slow cooker, if you will. Um, it, it, it transformed so much of uh, my ability to understand leadership um, so much more quickly than it would have otherwise. And in addition to that, and, and maybe this is part of me just getting older, you know, I, when I first graduated from business school years ago, I wanted to go into strategy. Well, you don't see too many newly minted MBAs, um, you know, 24, 25 years old, getting jobs in strategy, right? You have to go out there and you have to earn your stripes. And the reason you don't get into strategy right off the bat is because you need to have a fundamental understanding of the entirety of the business. And it's hard to do that unless you've experienced it. And while I was at Ford, being the head of digital and social communications, I became exposed to pretty much every area of the company because everybody wanted a piece of it and there were ways to apply it. So it gave me a well-rounded view of the company. And at the same time, I think back to my education in undergrad years where I was a classics major. And I have, I've always been something of a history and literature junkie anyway, but I started thinking back to some of the lessons and some of the leaders I came across in, in literature and philosophy and history. And I thought, you know, the more I think about it and the more I see people making the same pleas, the same plaintive pleas in digital and social today that we did even 10 years ago, the more I realized that human nature is constant. And if it's constant within those 10 years, you think back over the course of the millennia of history, it's still constant. We still want the same things. So I began to explore, you know, what I learned at Ford, what I observed over the last decade or so in the communications and marketing space. And I, I reflected that on what I had learned or what I continue to learn by being a voracious reader and realized that there's a balance here between um, history and the present and the future. Now, that actually is a nice segue because you have a weekly newsletter called Timeless and Timely. And as you term it on the signup page, your goal is to make sense of today with lessons from the past. Is that where, you're kind of, where you pull from is being a history buff and, and everything you learn during your career and, and 
trying to meld those two together or are you also looking at it from a different angle when you approach your research for well the, uh, the way i do it justin week? and I, I i do the free newsletter every wednesday and then i offer a bonus um issue for people that are paid subscribers on friday uh you know some additional insight that you wouldn't get otherwise um is i start with an issue that i identify that seems to be plaguing the modern leader uh, so whether it's uh, motivating your staff or operating in a crisis or uh, dealing with uh, ignorance uh, among uh, the employee base, uh, you know, and how does the modern leader begin to address that? And rather than simply give a prescriptive, you know, here are the 10 things you need to do or whatever, I, I look back at history because what is history but a collection of stories? And what is a good communicator or marketer, but a storyteller. And so bridging those two ideas together with the concept of the week, whatever it happens to be, I usually am able to land on some kind of example, uh, whether it's from a book, uh, you know, a, 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 an old work of fiction, uh, whether it's uh, from a philosopher, a poet, historian, you name it. Um, I look for leadership lessons that we can we can kind of land on, tell a story about and say, all right, here's how that applies to the leadership of today. And in addition to that, I try and pepper it with relevant quotes to kind of inspire people and, and help them kind of crystallize some of these lessons into pithy phrases as well. You are very good at that <laughs> as someone that has known you for uh, very, uh, for several years. So if you had to provide some, someone with one practical tip. They may be just out of business school. They may be fresh in their career or moving over to a different industry, moving up from a startup to a, you know, enterprise, anything like that. If you were to give someone one practical tip that they could use immediately in their career, where would you land on that? Well, what I would, would say be? Um, be a voracious reader. I mean, everything these days is <laughs> is video or, I mean, look, we're, we're listening right now, but look, you can, you can quote unquote read uh, via an audio book too. Uh, I know, you know, commuting time is down and, uh, and podcast consumption is down as a result, but uh, we still have opportunities to consume audio content. And to me, reading... Um, is one of the best ways to do that. And and when you do read, get outside of your, your zone of comfort. Get outside of your industry. Yeah, of course you have to read to keep up on you know, what's going on with your, with your company, with your industry, et cetera. But if you can get a different perspective, you know, read, you know, I don't, I don't care whether it's something from a different industry, if you want to stay in the business field, um, read, uh, you know, a certain kind of novel or read biographies or read history just to give yourself a different perspective on things. To me, that's what opens up the mind to different thinking, to curiosity, which I think is one of the hallmarks of uh, a good leader and certainly of a good marketer. Um, and, and to allow yourself to explore ideas that you wouldn't have necessarily explored if you just stayed in your lane. That's really interesting, and I think a great point, because I'm also 
uh, a heavy reader, you know, my wife and I read before bed every night and those typically be more, those are typically uh, more fiction books. And there's a lot of studies on why you should read fiction before bed uh, instead of nonfiction books. But I read a lot of history books, biographies, things of that nature. And as well, I have firmly believed in, say, several human resources folks throughout industries. You know, we could disagree, <laughs> agree to disagree. But I've, I always thought yeah. that you should hire cross industries. So, again, I've spent my career in B2B high-tech enterprise. I should be attractive to hmm. someone in CPG because I bring a wealth of ideas in different angles of looking at something into mm -hmm. CPG, which have stayed in their lane, higher after higher after higher. Unfortunately, in that, those <laughs> scenarios, that doesn't happen. They just want to stay in their lane and hire someone that they, like that mold yeah. that they're used to uh, hiring. But it's it's exactly what you know I I can see with what you're saying of kind of getting out of your comfort zone, getting out of your lane. I do it with books, but also I I think that there's also uh, area to be had or an argument to be made within the work environment, within hiring and within industry and uh, things of that nature. Now as someone that has known you for several years you know we both kind of grew up in boston together and i've learned a ton from you whether you realize it or not but i've realized a ton from you uh and have grown a lot both in my career but also personally just the way you carry yourself and always trying to be a consummate professional and, and that's across your life not just necessarily at the workplace but and it just is you. It's always being your true, authentic self at all times. There, There is no different switch with you. Um, how are you trying to pass that down to your children? Don't pass those values as they grow into their own because yeah. they're all uh, still young. It, it's, it's frustrating and difficult some days. Uh, I've got a 14-year-old <laughs> and a, an almost 17-year-old now. And um, they don't really want to listen to mom and dad anymore. They, they think they know everything. And it, it's the classic Mark Twainism. When I was 14 years old, I thought my father was the stupidest man I ever met. And I was surprised when I turned 21 at how much he learned in seven years. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I just feel like we're at that point with our boys. So, you know, I mean, you do what you can. You try and... Obviously, you have to you have to live what you believe, but at the same time, in, when you're in a family, and this gets back to what Alan says about communication being so important, you need to talk about it. You need to provide a, a, a narrative track as to why you're doing certain things. Right? It's not enough to just to trust that the kids are going to pay attention to you and watch what you do, because in my experience, teenagers really aren't all that observant, or if they are, they just don't care. Now, there's there's a, a comedian on Twitter whose bio says um, my my kids 
if my kids knew there was a light in the oven, they'd leave that one on too, right? They, they just don't observe the world around them. Like, they have to talk about it. And to me, I realize that time is fleeting and that these moments that I'm so invested in right now, that they may not have the same level of investment in either. And, and this goes whether you're talking about your family or whether you're talking about employees, right? People may not have the same kind of passion and vision that you do. And again, it comes down to communication. So for each one of our sure. kids, I have a leather bound journal that I started the day they were born. And I started doing it as kind of dated entries, but I realized that there are some times in life where I'm not consistently writing to them. So I, I, I don't date them, but I just write thoughts and write things that are important to me and that I value, kind of like I do with my newsletter. I'm in this journal with them. And when they turn 18 years old, they are each going to get their journal to take with them. And someday when I'm long gone and maybe they have kids of their own, they'll be able to look back in this personalized journal to see what are the values that we had as a family? What are the things that we wanted to pass down to them? And to me, that'll be kind of a uh, a, a timeless and timely contribution to uh, to their family life. That's amazing. And of course, it's a leather bound journal with you. And and if I know you well enough, it's probably with a, a fountain pen or something very specifically uh, selected that dates back. It's not just with something you picked up at CVS or we've, we've met or before. I something see. of that nature. <laughs> I think you, I, if I remember correctly, I think uh, you wrote my wife a letter on letterhead and with a very nice pen when I was in the hospital or when I were, was first home and recovering. So I've even seen those, those letters besides seeing your office on video and, and whatnot. So uh, a question that's very important to me and something I ask everyone is what does being mm. built unstoppable mean well to you? yeah i mean first of all justin when i hear that phrase i immediately think of you um you know i mean you've built your brand around it um you know the the, the trials and tribulations you've been through uh in your life and not not just with your health in recent years but you throughout your entire life uh, have created that that brand that personality that i think we can all aspire to. So I think for as much as you compliment me for um, offering uh, some sort of inspiration or something to build on for you, I think you continue to do that for me and for, for a lot of people around you, whether you realize it or not. So to me, it's built unstoppable can be summed up in one of the virtues of leadership that I think are so important, and that is resilience. And if you want to add a second word, you can say endurance as well. And endurance is important because um, at one point in my newsletter, I wrote about uh, Ernest Shackleton, who sailed on the endurance from England to uh, Antarctica. And it was his goal to get to, sorry, to, to cross Antarctica on foot, bisecting uh, the, the South Pole. Um, he never got there because his ship got trapped in ice and his 
mission went from trying to accomplish that goal to simply trying to ensure that all of his crew came back alive. And, and he saw it through. He absolutely saw it through and, and he was successful at it. And to me, his leadership just personified resilience. And how did he do it? He, he listened to his team. He created a sense of optimism and shared purpose when it could have been really easy to get depressed and, um, you know, really desperate about where you were. He watched for uh, morale when it was flagging and, and tried to keep it up and focused on the goal and got everyone aligned around that same goal uh, and had fun in the process. They were out on the ice flows, you know, throwing a ball around and, and enjoying physical activity when they were at the same time trying to fight for their lives. Um, he, he showed the team that he trusted them with greater responsibilities, right? That he let them get outside of their comfort zone or out of their area of expertise and mixed, mixed teams up. You know, he could have been very hierarchical about it, very British Navy uh, command and control, but he mixed the teams up and allowed them to do things that he could see they had natural talent for. And all of those things together uh, gave them the resilience that they needed to take what was literally a life and death situation and to turn it around. And to me, all of this is embodied in a poem by William Ernest Henley called Invictus that you've probably heard before. And it's just a few stanzas long. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Well, first of all, I have to thank you. And for the comments, you know me enough to know how I feel about that. Um, I try to stay humble about it and what I've been through through each phase of my life has just been what I would hope anyone would deal with or the decisions that they would make. Though I realize a lot of other people take that road less traveled or uh, choose that other option. But I think that that word endurance and that story of the ship endurance. I've read that book before and, and it's an incredible story that I would highly recommend anyone read it. The story is a page turner as you read that book. So I think that resilience and endurance are, are they go hand in hand and they both are good example of what built unstoppable means. So thank you. Where can people find you? Sure. On the web? Uh, I am at scottmonty.com. 
uh, which is where I post all the essays from my newsletter. And if you want the full newsletter, you can subscribe there. Uh, and I am Scott Monty on you know, most of the major social networks. Awesome. Well, Scott, thank you for stopping by today. I appreciate everything, uh, all the knowledge, all the history. And, uh, and thank you, Justin, between. for so doing you. what you do and uh, creating a destination that people can rally around as they try to build their lives as unstoppable as well. Thank you for joining another episode of Built Unstoppable. Please head over to builtunstoppable.com where you can read new articles from Justin Levy.